Hello, hello, and welcome to Dickens and Quips, the podcast that takes the dick out of Charles Dickens. Join me, D Dickens, as I wander around showing you a world of poetry that isn't only populated by old dead white men. This week, I have Mathego Craze with me, and I am absolutely over the moon to have her. Mathego is a 21-year-old trans feminine poet from rural Devon. Her writing focuses mostly on the struggles of being queer in the countryside, gender expression and mental health. She has performed at Unislam 2019 and 2020, representing Sussex University and was runner-up in the Brighton Hammer and Tongue Poetry Slam Final 2019. So say hi, Mathego. Uh, hello, hello. It's wonderful to hear someone pronounce my name correctly for once. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, I did ask you to make sure I got it right. <laughs> but yeah, it's enjoyable. Well, this is good. I'm glad to hear it. Now, what the bio doesn't say is that I am constantly blown away by her style, by her work, and the way she portrays quiet grief I'm absolutely really honoured to have her on the podcast I have been looking forward to this very much so it's a bit of a coup to get the go on so, <laughs> so this week in what have I been really reading I have been revisiting to the sofa and back again by Roth writers I've talked before on this on this podcast about the importance of writing groups and of getting feedback and Roth Writers has made me a better writer. There is so much love there, so much warmth, you can't help but improve. Now every year my writing group puts out an anthology, um, it's usually called To the Pub and Back but obviously this year no one was going to the pub so it's called to the sofa and back again which about as far as we got and today I'm going to read a prayer is a beautiful thing by Dervler O'Brien now I don't do praying I am a confirmed pagan atheist and nobody is changing my mind on that you can one day if you see me in a pub ask me how I can be an atheist and a pagan and have patron gods and goddesses the answer may confuse you, but it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> it's a little bit Jungian, a little bit Hindu, a little bit all sorts, but there we go. Um, but I love Dervla's work. I'm always, always blown away by what she manages to produce in 20 minutes. And I am hoping to get her on the show quite soon. So this is A Prayer is a Beautiful Thing. Though some may see in it an echo, a palimpsest of other broken beliefs, they may see gold-plated faith or trust misplaced in midnight, power long gone or worse, corrupt. My prayer book is different. Mine are love letters to hope, gratitude to libraries of humanity, a patronage. I pray to poetry groups. I pray to book clubs dedicated to slowing down time, to taking a seam ripper to the straight thread of sentences and the curved loops of letters and seeing how the garment was made. I pray for their patience. I pray for their keen eyes, their strong hands flicking pages in the dead of the night. 
I congregate in the silence of the lime breaks and indents, and as the ministers preach meaning into every comma, depth into every unfinished, I sign my love letter with a kiss and find their words guide me, guide me, map my spiritual or not path to the X. So lovely, lovely poem about the importance of writing groups and how poetry is a prayer. What did you think of that? I like the emphasis on the divinity of language. Yeah. I like the whole concept of language as this important concept in and of itself beyond what the words mean but the fact that we use words in the first place yeah yeah I mean Dervla writes some amazing stuff like I'm hoping at some point with Clice Nowis to get her work out there but something I need to talk to her about I suppose (laughs) um okay so for my poem from the same book I've decided to read Changeling. This came about um, when I showed my daughter person a picture of me as a small child with my two sisters. Now, even if you don't know about neurodiversity, it is more than apparent that I am different to my sisters in this photograph. Noah said, that is some real Changeling energy right there. And this poem was born. (laughs) As I've mentioned before, I'm releasing um, a collection with Whiskey and Beards Publishing called Resting Confused Face, which is detailing revisiting my life as a child and as as a, as a person growing up through the lens of my latest autism diagnosis. So this is where where this starts, really, with the first noticing of me being different. The changeling. Fairy child, where did you come from? Is there a kingdom that misses you? Who is the child in the court of the fairies? She wears your dresses and spins around twirling with the queen of the elven as they dance with the moon. Ancient eyed child, who has seen and knows all, your soul windows green when the others have brown. Your hair softly sea waves while the others wear spring. Their laughter like starlight in your silence, the dawn. Changeling child who cries in the darkness. You dream of the fairies, the dancing and feasting with creatures so stunning. Their brightness blinds you, unable to speak, to tell their story. You hide behind smiles and eyes older than time. Outsider child whose sadness drowns hope. Don't you know it will change? You will be the story. The changeling who lived, you will float downstairs in a chandelier lit in a boa of feathers embracing your fairness. You will sing out the twilight and welcome the darkness twirling for the moon. Okay. That's that's my little my little changeling poem. <laughs> that's wonderful. I really I don't know it speaks to me on a lot of levels. I grew up in a very neurodivergent family. Both my older brother and my mum are autistic, and I don't know. It, I I like 
the emphasis on different being good, not bad, different being something wonderful, something magical. And I like the, I don't know, there's something to the idea of, I've always thought there was something to the idea of the concept of Faye in a way, the, the idea of changing children coming from real historical cases of what would have then been undiagnosed autism. I think yeah. it's always made some sense to me that we don't just create things. We There's a stem of truth in all of it. Absolutely. We are on the same page with this. <laughs> we are totally on the same page with this. So <laughs> I love the idea of going back and looking at folklore and thinking how we can how we can look at it again through a modern yeah. lens and look at it through lenses of things we've learned. Like we've learned um, a lot more about um, trans people, for instance. Mm. And there has got to be folklore that relates to that, relates yeah, to... I've, yeah, I've never really read into it, which surprises me somehow because... I read all sorts of mythology and folklore and things, but yeah. no, it's a really interesting idea, actually. Yeah, I think think it's something that I might look further into during my my master's year. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. There is much to think about, youngun. <laughs> so here is the bit that's the most important bit: the guest interview. And no, I still don't have a jingle. I haven't had time but <laughs> I am very very pleased to be asking Mathego Craze some some questions so my first question is you're an amazing poet I've seen you perform and you you. you bring me to speechlessness which is not easy um more than once so why is poetry important to you I think I've always grown up amongst poetry. My mum worked in the theatre and is a writer and just always read poetry to us and recited poetry to us. Um, and then I think when I was about 16, 17, when my mental health was probably at its lowest point, I started writing a lot of what, looking back, was very bad, very, very bad poetry. But <laughs> We've all it, been there. <laughs> helped me through that period. And then I didn't pick up a pen and write for another couple of years after that. And I can't remember what it was that started me writing again, but it's all, it's a way of letting stuff out that otherwise would just sit in my head and clog things up, I guess. Yeah. And it's a way of, I think it's very important emotional kind of free to be able to put these things down somewhere to be able to speak them to someone but not necessarily a real person yeah yeah the idea of poetry is release mm. yeah definitely it's, it's quite important I think there are lots of things you wish you could say out loud and probably don't realize you want to say out loud until you write them down exactly and I I think another element of it for me is that uh, growing up among theatre theater kids, that sort of thing, and then developing um, developing 
stutter and various ticks and things means normal speech doesn't always come the most easily to me. But I find that when I've written something down and read it over so many times in my own head and to the mirror and various patches of blank wall in my room and things, it becomes so natural and so fluid that I can say it without the stutters, without the ticks and things. And it becomes almost more natural than my natural speech. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I really do get that. I mean, last week, Alice Gretton read um, Neil Hilborn's OCD poem. Yeah. In which he uses, utilises his tics really quite effectively. Yeah. Have you thought of doing that or is this just a, a completely different language? It's just something very different to me. That poem, it's amusing that you mention it because, not amusing, interesting, because that poem is one of the first things that got me back into writing yeah I remember seeing that poem going around Facebook or something when it went viral and just thinking that this is a really powerful way to explain these things that are often quite hard to explain to people who haven't experienced them directly yeah um and I remember thinking that, that was very powerful and going out and buying his book that had just come out and reading the entire thing and just thinking how incredible it was to have that level of communication without actually just listing things, symptoms and how it is to live with it, but giving everyone a feel of that without them having to experience it. Yeah, absolutely. Neil Hilborn and Sven Steers were two of the things that got me back into writing poetry. I, my friend Mark had a spare ticket. I went, do you fancy coming? All right, then. <laughs> and that was it. Here, yeah. here I am. Bizarre how life turns. <laughs> so, are you writing? And if so, what are you writing? Am I writing? I am. My writing always comes in kind of fits and passions. It's very much a very spontaneous thing. Um, I think I write more when things change. I don't write a lot when things are the same for a very long period of time. Yeah. But, and I didn't write a lot over lockdown or this quarantine just because it all felt very same. Every day was exactly the same as every other day. And it was very hard to find the motivation or the inspiration, but I wrote a bit at the beginning of the lockdown and I've written a handful of things in the last week or two about changing and the state of things, I guess. Awesome. So are you reading? And if so, what are you reading? Am I reading? I am, I'm not reading a huge amount of poetry at the moment. Um, which I'm quite ashamed and upset to say. I usually would be reading more. Um, but all my poetry books are at my uni house and I'm not there at the moment. So I, th I think the only poetry on my shelf at the moment is like Keats and various other Victorian, you know, very old white men. Yeah. <laughs> Dead old white men and it's a bit... The poetry is nice, but there isn't the context to it that makes it so tactile. 
That's that's a really, really good point, actually, that you raised there, how poetry can feel tactile in context. Mm. Um, I think going back to Neil Hilborn's OCD poem, the context of that was the timing was right. We were starting to have more conversations about mental yeah. health. There were more things going around where people were calling people out for saying, oh, I'm a bit OCD because I like to have my room tidy. There's a lot more to it than that, love. Yeah. Um, when we we have, we're, we're in an age, I think, of challenging challenging ideas and questioning. There's, yeah, I think- We've, we set up um, Heist Noweth, the publishing press that we've set up, me and Joe. We've set that up specifically to give voice to people from marginalised groups mm. um, because we thought there was a platform needed building. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. There are so many people who are speaking out against marginalised groups and they have massive platforms so we're just Mm. trying to build quantity and quality so but this idea of the context of poetry is a really interesting one I'm sure it's one we'll come back to again so it's time for you to read a poem of somebody else's that you would like to share with us somebody else's um I am going to read City in the Sea by Edgar Allan Poe um there's something about Poe, he was the first real poet, I think, that I sat down and just read everything of, and all the short stories, and I don't know, it really touched me in a way that I don't think any poet before, there weren't many before, admittedly, or since has, because there wasn't that level of, I don't know, I wouldn't call it study per se, but a more in-depth exploration into the poetry as it were and I think this one has always stuck with me just because I don't know I like the image it produces without being massively overpowering lo death has reared himself a throne and strange city lying alone far down within the dim west where the good and bad and the worst and best have gone to their eternal rest, their shrines and palaces and towers, time-eaten towers and tremble not, resemble nothing that is ours. Around by lifting winds forgot resignedly beneath the sea the melancholy waters lie. No rays from holy heaven come down on the night, long night time of that town, but light from out the lurid sea streams up the turrets silently, gleams up the pinnacles far and free up domes, up spires, up kingly halls, up fanes, up Babylon-like walls, up shadowy long-forgotten bowers of sculpture, up many and many mother's shrine, whose into pine, the old violet and vine resignedly beneath the sky, the melancholy waters lie. So blend the turrets and shadows there that all seem pendulous in air while a prou- from a proud tower in the town, death looks gigantically, gigantically down. There, open fanes and gaping graves, you're on level with the luminous waves, but not the re- riches there that lie, not each eye's diamond eye, not the gaily jewels tempt the water from their bed. For no ripples curl, alas, along that wilderness of glass. No swellings tell that winds may be upon some far off happier sea, no heavings hint that winds have been unless on seas less hideously serene, but lo, a stir is in the air, 
The wave, there is a moment there as if the towers had thrust aside and slightly sinking the dull tide as if their tops had feebly, feebly given a void within the filmy heaven. The waves now have a redder glow. The hours are breathing faint and low and when amid no earthly moans down that town shall settle hence. Hell, hell rising from a thousand thrones shall do it reverence. I was muted, so nobody heard me say that was gorgeous. Thank you so much. That was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely stunning. I will, of course, as ever, put the poem in the show notes. So if people want to read it to themselves, they can do so afterwards. Now, here's the bit I have been really, really looking forward to for weeks. Madego is going to read one of her own poems. Go for it. This is the one I've been working on the most, I think. It's a bit different from all my, not all my, a lot of my poetry is very slammy and this is something more, technical is not the right word, but it's a bit more bitty, a bit more specific than the big slam pieces. Um, it's called Sleeping. We've been sleeping. Peaceful, counting sheep like all the streets of missing people. We've been waking, wistful, remember days that didn't feel like fucking vigils. We've been weeping, always. Empty rooms ignore the bodies in the hallways, make it through till morning, someday. Remember names, they hang heavy on us, always. Weeping, stack the bodies from the floor up to the ceiling. Waking, shattered, scatter flowers down the hallways with the ashes. Rose-tainted sadness, remember weddings in the gardens before the madness. Only dreaming you're still sleeping someday. Waking without weeping, lay the flowers on his headstone in the morning. Lay the flowers on his headstone in the morning. Remember days that didn't feel like hazy morphine. We're in mourning and tears, draw our evenings into weekdays, into always. Don't say you didn't say that, see this coming, there was warning. Now we'll be sleeping, peaceful, in the graveyards come the morning. Wow. That was, that was stunning. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that you. with us. And you can feel... You can hear how Poe has influenced your work mm. in the way your rhymes move, in the fluidity of it, in the in the, the waves, the ebb and the flow of your words. Yeah, I think with this one specifically, I was trying to, I don't know, have a less structured thing going on. A lot of my poems are very much rhyming couplet followed by rhyming couplet followed by rhyming couplet and I wanted to do something more organic well you you did that <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful thank you so much for sharing thank you. thank you so much for being with us so in this week's lines that make you go oh damn I wish I'd written that we have from Clean Sheets by Rhiannon Fielder Hobbs. And this is also in the Roth Writers Anthology. I will put the link in the show notes. And the line is, I have made jam of my excuses, watched it bubble, jarred up enough hindsight to feed a childlike army. 
That's really nice. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. And the context of that line is she's talking, is clean sheet. She's talking about how she folds her doubts with the with the laundry sort mm. of thing. It's like the context of it's absolutely stunning. It's so good. Yeah. In fact, if you DM me your address after this, I will send you a copy of the oh, that's Doctors very lovely. Yeah. So you have some new poetry to read. <laughs> Finally. Finally. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so what's what's um in the what's Heist Noweth been up to this week? We got our first title out. Yes, we did. Cake, Liberty and Other Inexplicable Phenomena by Joe Thomas, who you heard on the podcast on week two. It's a fantastic collection, even if we do say so ourselves. The link will be in the show notes. And I'm hoping to get Joe back on in a few weeks to do a special reading for us as, as our first our first um, publication, our first title from our publishers with our imprint is about autism and asexuality we are starting as we mean to go on we did not come to play and let's be like amplifying all the marginalized voices so it's time for you to do your shameless plug is if you want to like let us know what your socials are let us know what you're doing um do you make a top-notch cottage pie whatever it is we want to know um, I think I'm just Mithago Craze or Mia Craze on everything. Shameless plug. I, um, I haven't really, I'm vaguely, vaguely working on a collection that might come out at some point eventually if I get my act together. Um, I think that's the only real thing. Awesome. And it's not out yet, so it's not really a plug. But. <laughs> Well, as soon as it is, then we will definitely plug it on here because <laughs> we, we absolutely love you at Dickens and Quips. So thank you for listening. I have been Dee Dickens and as ever, you have been marvellous. You can get in touch with the show on dickensandquips at gmail.com or on Twitter and Insta at Dickens and Quips. My personal Twitter is the Ponty Pipe poet not Pontius Pilot. where did that come from I'm certainly not Pontius Pilot. oh my it's been a long week it's been a long week but there you go so let's try that again I am on the Ponty Poet <laughs> on Twitter or D Dickens poet and author on Facebook please do let me know what's going on in your area if there's anything you want plugging if there's any books you want plugging if you want to come up on the show and hit me up and don't forget to subscribe so I can get into your lug holes I leave you with the prompt of the week this week it is ball gown um pop it in an email whatever you write and i'll read one out on next week's show if they come in so thank you one more time mathago it's been an absolute pleasure to have you thank you for having me it's been a pleasure to be here excellent and um take care make good choices or at least try and if you can't make good choices then that's what poetry's for write them down send them in take care then bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.